lives. God, over this city and nation, Lord, we lift up your name. You're majestic. Thank you for forgiving us, for loving us, for healing us, for setting us free. Father, we give you the praise this morning in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 You can be seated if you would, please. You want to do that? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. 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 Of course. Because the whole church is watching. Amen. So I'm up here to tell you that this is when we're celebrating uh, Faith and Victory Church's 17-year anniversary. Yeah. So 17 years ago that uh, Shelly and I sat in Pastor Matt and Pastor Chris's living room at Fort Lewis, and they told us they wanted to plant a church, and we said, we're all in with them. And so then in January, uh, in um, June, it was what, the 22nd? I think it was June 22nd. June 22nd, 17 years ago, up at Sunrise Elementary in Kent, we had our first service. We had 100 cups of coffee and 12 dozen donuts. We were ready for, uh, we were ready for it to happen. And so I think that if I remember correctly, the other couple that helped uh, plant the church, he, he was a firefighter as well. And so he was on shift and I was on shift. And Pastor Crystal and Pastor Shelley were doing a children's church. So I think Pastor Matt was just preaching to one person that first Sunday. It's crazy. And then all of a sudden we saw a first service today at the parking lot service. We had a ton of people there. Everyone was singing and worshiping. It was great. It was wonderful. We had 20 dozen donuts this morning to ring it in. So uh, I just want to say to you guys, thank you so much for your faithfulness Thanks. for so many years, especially those early years when it was two jobs and grinding it out and and uh, week in and week out. Just thank you for your faithfulness and, and sticking to it. And this is your fruit. So Praise even through God. this last six months, which has been kind of crazy, um, just holding it all together and uh, being flexible and just leading us through it. So thank you very much. Thanks. I love you. Well, for those of you that are watching that are members of Faith and Victory Church, I just want to thank you guys for believing in what God does here. Um, believing in Crystal and I and the rest of the pastoral staff as we lead you to follow Jesus. Uh, church is the people. Um, and I know that during these times of us being disconnected physically, it uh, doesn't change where we're at spiritually. And um, we'll, we'll get back we'll get back to normal eventually. I'm not saying new normal because I don't want new normal. I want to get back to normal. So we'll get back there eventually. But um, from the bottom of our hearts, we just want to tell how much we love you and how much we appreciate you and what you do for us. Uh, as being your pastors at Faith and Victory. We're 17 years in, and uh, I'm 45, and the math says that uh, I'm at 62 is when I can first draw Social Security. So uh, I'm, I'm in for at least another 17. I'm re-upping. So I'll re-up for another 17. I can't promise you past 62, but if the Lord says 72, I'll go to 72. Um, but I can assure you I'll at least go to 62 uh, here at Faith and Victory Church. But today we still have God's word to go through, and I uh, hope that you are excited to hear from it. Um, let's, uh, let's pray over this message. Father God, we love you, we praise you, we glorify you today in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active, that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Fathers, you've spoken to us by your word, Lord. We pray that it would come alive today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 19. We're going to be in verses 9 through 19. 
It says, now all the people were in a dispute throughout all the tribes of Israel saying, the king saved us from the hand of our enemies. He delivered us from the hand of the Philistines. And now he has fled from the land because of Absalom. But Absalom, who we noted over us, has died in battle. Now, therefore, why do you say nothing about bringing back the king? So David sent to Zadok and Abathar the priest saying, speak to the elders of Judah saying, why are you the last to bring the king back to his house? Since the words of all Israel have come to the king, to his very house. You are my brethren. You are my bone and my flesh. Then why are you last to bring back the king? And say to Amasa, are you not my bone and my flesh? God, do so to me. And more also, if you are not commander of the army before me, continually in the place of Joab. So he swayed the hearts of all the men of Judah, just as the heart of one man, so that they sent this word to the king. Return you and all your servants. Then the king returned and came to the Jordan. And Judah came to Gilgal to go and meet the king, to escort the king across the Jordan. And Shimei, the son of Gera, Benjamite, who was from Bahurim, hurried and came down with the men of Judah to meet the king David. Excuse me, meet king David, not the king, meet king David. There were a thousand men of Benjamin with him, and Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, and his 15 sons and his 20 servants with him. And they went over the Jordan before the king. Then a ferry boat went across to carry over the king's household and to do what he thought good. So what's going on in this story? Here's what's going on in this story is that uh, David, if you remember, is the rightful king of Israel. Absalom was the king that took over Israel. They kicked David out. And so now what we see is uh, Absalom has died. David is, David is going to now uh, come back into Jerusalem. But there's the elders of Israel are inside of uh, Jerusalem. And they're kind of talking to themselves like, hey, should we let him back? Should we not let him back? You know, do we like Absalom? Do we not like David? And David's like, huh? I don't understand what's going on. So he goes and talks to these priests. He tells these priests, would you remind these guys that they're my flesh and bone and that um, uh, I'm their king? And the guys kind of like receive the words of the priests. And so then all these men go out to uh, greet him uh, from the tribe of Judah and specifically from Benjamin. It says that there was a thousand men. It says that they take David, uh, bring him across the Jordan into Jerusalem. This is the return of the king. The king is coming back into Jerusalem. Um, and if you don't understand any part of the story, this is the simplest thing that you can understand. I always have to say this because a lot of times people are joining the sermon. They don't know they understand the whole story. Absalom was David's son and uh, he took over Jerusalem and took over Israel and said he was the king, but he was a false king. David's the real king. And so now Absalom is dead and David is coming back to his rightful place as being king. Like many Old Testament scriptures, uh, you can gain a lot from looking at these stories Christologically. And that word Christologically means this. It means to look at them through the lens of Jesus Christ, to understand that this book was written as a story about Jesus from Genesis to Revelation, and that it is uh, uh, a way for us to better understand God. And so when you look at any story in the Bible, you should look at that Christologically and understand like, okay, how does Jesus come alive in these scriptures? How does Jesus speak to us through these scriptures? And so when you see this as a Christological story, you can really see a parallel here in that the people of Israel knew that David was their king, but they installed Absalom. They were the ones that wanted it. And then they followed Absalom instead of following David. And they pushed David out. They pushed David away. They chose their own king, not the rightful king that was supposed to be over them, King David. 
And it's not unlike people today in that Jesus is the rightful king in their lives. And if you're watching and you're here, like Jesus is the rightful king in your life as well. But what happens is, is that people choose their own king because they want to be ruled by something else. They want to be led by something else. And so instead of submitting to the lordship of Jesus, instead of following Jesus, they say, you know what? I want to have my own king and my own leader and I'll submit to their rulership and their leadership. It's, it's the reason why in today's age, that people are so passionate about politics and political parties and political movements is because it's not, (laughs) watch this, it's not that they always believe in what that movement or that political uh, figure is about. They agree with that political figure and they want that political figure to rule them because it already agrees with what they believe about themselves. They, 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 they don't want to be ruled by somebody who leads them in ways that they don't agree with. And so you'll see it right now. Somebody's in office and after November, if it changes, the, the, the tables just turn, but the, the heart doesn't change, which is all people are looking for is to have someone rule them that they agree with so that they can live in their rebellion. This is the same about King Jesus. People do not want to submit to the rulership and the kingship of King Jesus because they have selfish rebellion in their hearts and they want to be ruled by a a king that they agree with. So they don't want to submit to Jesus. Uh, This is the same way that the people could not receive David. So um, let's get into this. Let's get into this sermon. Uh, The first part of it is this, is that they were fighting. The reason why they couldn't welcome the king. uh, Did I tell you that? The title of the sermon is Welcome the King. Why couldn't they welcome the king? The first reason why is because they were fighting. They were fighting. It says in verse nine, now all the people were in a dispute throughout all the tribes of Israel. And what were they arguing about? They were arguing about David versus Absalom. Who was the better king? Who served us better? And why should we let David back? And, and in their minds, they say, you know what? Uh, David uh, didn't kill Absalom as he should have. And, and uh, he was, uh, you have to go back and listen to the other sermons, but they didn't like everything r- rolled out. So now they're in a place where they're discussing and saying, well, are we in Absalom? Are we David? Well, Absalom is kind of good to us, but yeah, David is the rightful king. Should we receive him back? Now it's all infighting, it's all arguing, and this is not good. They they should never have been in this discussion in the first place at all. David had said in Psalm 133, one, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, but they aren't dwelling in unity. They're, they're creating strife and division. They're, they're having an argument about something that shouldn't even be an argument. They're discussing something that shouldn't even be discussed. And so they're creating that strife and division and they're not in unity. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 14, the beginning of strife is like releasing of water. Therefore, stop contention before quarrel starts. The Bible is so descriptive. When you release water, once you start it, you can't stop it. It's like a dam breaking. Once it starts, you can't go. You have to wait for all the water to drain. And contention is that same way. So the Bible says it's better to stop it before it starts. So you don't even have to deal with it. And here's what I think about it. And, and, and this is just the way that my brain works is that I always like to think about what the Bible doesn't say. And I'm always, and I'm, and I'm curious why there's no one in this story that stood up for unity out of all the host of Israel, out of everybody who was there. Where was the dude that was like, hold on guys, aren't we like supposed to not be doing this? Isn't David our rightful King? Why are we, why are we even talking about Absalom? You know, why, why are we even having this discussion? It, it would almost be like if a group of people went in and like took over part of a city 
and 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 like said like this is our thing and 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 police aren't allowed and you know what I mean and then like people had a discussion of like well what's the legal ramifications of people taking over somebody else's house I I mean I'm just throwing it out there I don't know, I don't know if that goes or not but like why why are they even having the discussion why are they even having the discussion David is the rightful owner David is the rightful king. He owns the throne of Israel. And here's where the fighting came from. And if you, and if you start to think about this, it will help you filter through a lot of the discussions and fights that people get in all the time. Personal relationships, work relationships, social media relationships, if that's even a real word. It says this in James uh, 4.1, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war within your members? See, what, what I love about the Bible is this, is that the Bible is just as true today as it was thousands of years ago. And the reason why is because the hearts of men have not changed. The men of Israel were just as selfish as the men of Covington, Auburn, Federal Way, and Seattle. That you can put a, 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 you can put an LED screen on it, you can charge more for it, but it, the, it is still the same. The hearts of men are deceitfully wicked and are selfish. They want what they want. Israel wanted their own king. This is the same heart that will crucify Jesus. It's the same heart that says he wasn't the king that we expected, so we're going to crucify King Jesus. This isn't what God desires. He never desired Absalom to reign. He only wanted David to reign, but people are utterly and completely selfish. What does it mean to you? Friend, constant fighting will always keep you from experiencing God's best in your life. Hear me on this. If you are a fighter and love to fight and are always fighting, you will not experience God's best for you in your life. It will not happen, whether it's fighting with God or others. The words of Jesus are not words like strife, quarreling, division. They're never going to bring peace. And so if it's like, remember, we're drawing, we're drawing parallels with this scripture. The men were fighting and discussing about something that they shouldn't have been fighting or discussing about because it was evident that it was supposed to be the way that it is. And so all the things in your life that are evident that aren't even a discussion, quit fighting God on it. Quit fighting him and, and, and quit fighting other people. It's just, it's worthless. It really is. First Thessalonians 5, 9, God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You are not uh, living a life that God designed for you if you are constantly argumentative, divisive, and contentious. And there's people that are like this, man. Like they, I don't care if you say ketchup, they say mustard. You say up, you say, they say down. Like they, they just love to fight. I hate to fight. Like I, I get no joy in it. I'm the guy's like, dude, it's fine. Whatever. And people are like, whoa, you got to whatever. And I'm like, dude, I just, I don't, I don't enjoy it. I don't look forward to uh, a confrontation. I don't, I don't like it. Galatians 5.15, but, it, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you've been consumed by one another. Sorry, I started laughing. Did that scripture came up? Beware lest you be consumed by one another. And again, this is the parallels that happen in today. And I always have to say disclaimers because people want to say, oh, you're part of that group. I'm in the Jesus group. Okay. I'm in the, I love Jesus in his church group. I'm not assigned to any political party or political movement. I'm in the movement of Jesus. So this is what I want you to think about though, is that any group or entity that has 
a, a, a will to fight against somebody outside of the group, once they run out of people to fight outside of the group, they'll eventually turn on each other. Right? Because once, once you kill all the meat in the camp, all of a sudden there's no meat left. So you just got to, you know, start killing each other. It's like a zombie movie, right? That's the end result of fighting. It happened to Israel when, when uh, the, the, the nation of Israel split, right? Between Judah and Israel. And then they begin to fight amongst themselves. And it's the same for us. Friend, God does not approve of it. And we need to resist it and keep it from infiltrating our lives. Now, many of you that listen to me on a regular basis know this. I was in the United States military. A lot of things I loved about the military, a lot of things I did not love about the military. PT, I did not love it. Um, but one of the things I really loved about the military is that all day, every day, you always knew what you, where you were at and, and what was going on. And, and so there wasn't a lot of fighting in the military because in the military, if you're wrong, you're wrong. And everybody in the room knows it. They call you out publicly uh, and they tell you to fix it. And you have no recourse because there's a standard within a book that lays out exactly what you should be doing. And so if you're not living according to FM 22-5 and AR 670-1, they will call you on the carpet and you have nothing to say. It's like, yep, my shoelaces are wrong. And you start pushing, right? And so like in the military, uh, I was, uh, I, I got, I became a sergeant. But when I was an E5, I remember out in the field one time and I was an E4 and there was this E5 that was always like by the standard, like to push us E4s around. And so one time we were out in the field and he got all lippy and, and I don't have time to tell you the long story. I'll tell you some other time, but it was really funny uh, because, all right, real quick. So, um, <laughs> well, cause I, I forget, like we got a little bit more time, you know what I mean? So we're out in the field and, and, and this one, we were all having to do this like uh, uh, off-road trailering course where you had to like drive your Humvee and you had a trailer. And, and so you had to drive on this obstacle course. And so all the junior enlisted were doing it. And so there's this other E5 that wasn't going to do it because, you know, he's an E5. He's a sergeant. He doesn't have to do it. Well, the staff sergeant was like, hey, sergeant, why don't you do, why don't you do, this, uh, do this thing? And he was like, oh, I don't have to do it. And, and so then the, the, the staff sergeant kind of like puffed up a little bit, like, no, you're going to do this, sergeant. And, and so the, the, you could see the look on the E5's face, the sergeant's face. He's like, all right, I got something for you. So then he went and he did the obstacle course. Like he was like doing it really hard and the trailer was going like this. You could say that he was doing it defiantly to prove to this guy he wasn't going to be told what to do because he was a sergeant. And then he stopped and then this E6 tore him up in front of everybody. All of us were just kind of backing up like, Yee! it was really funny <laughs> watching that guy get chewed up. Um, you know, we don't do that here at the church. Uh, that's not how we roll, but in, but in the military, they will square anybody away immediately right away, even if it embarrasses you. And and we never had longstanding arguments because it all got settled that day. If you had to go out to the woodshed, take off rank and make it happen, you can make it happen. And the reason why the military works that way is because the mission matters more than your feelings. The military doesn't care about your feelings. There's wars to be won. There's training to be done. People die if you don't get your job right. And so if you feel bad about it, you should have joined, you should have joined the military. And so uh, I, I like that ethos within, within the church of God of just like, we're on mission. Like the mission of Christ is more important than your feelings. And, and, and if you're wrong, you're wrong. And if you're not living according to the manual or not living according to the manual, just admit it and be like, I'll fix my shoelaces and I'll just, you know, go back to doing what I need to go back to do. Amen. Amen. 
it says in 1 Peter 3, 8, finally, all of you, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love his brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous. And again, all of these fights come back to the one thing, selfish desires. Think about your marriage relationships, your friendships, your work problems, church problems. Everything. It's all selfishness. It's what we want, what we desire, how we want things to be. And so we can never get along with people if we put ourselves first. And you can never welcome the king if you're consumed with yourself instead of the king. See, here's the other part of it is that these people that were fighting, they were longing for a false kingdom. They were longing for a false kingdom. That's why they couldn't welcome the king. It says in verse 10, but Absalom, but Absalom. It's funny how it says that. It's always like, didn't God say like it's, but Absalom, let's, let's talk a little bit about more about Absalom, whom we anointed over us. He died in battle. Now, therefore, why do you say nothing about bringing back the king? They wanted the kingdom of Absalom. They hadn't distanced it, distanced, distanced themselves from it in their heart. To them, there was still a question in their hearts. Should, should we have followed Absalom or David? Like, uh, who was a better king for us? Again, going back to the fighting part, it's a no brainer. Like how, why are you even having this discussion? The reason why they're having this discussion is because their hearts hadn't changed. They still longed for Absalom's rebellion to lead them. They loved the, uh, the rebellion of Absalom because they could say like, you know, Hey, we, we love that this king wants to lead us in a way that satisfies our hearts. Again, why is this even a question? David is king, not Absalom. Absalom actually never was the king of Israel. He was a a fake king. Fake king. Everything's fake. That's how you throw it on anything. Fake king. You guys like these funny jokes? They're kind of funny. But this is how our hearts are. We long for the unrighteousness. We look back lovingly with our sins. Sometimes, and I always don't like this about Christians, is that Christians will always, not always, not all Christians, always. A lot of Christians will will speak fondly about their sin, like how they used to take part in stuff. And I think that's really shameful. I, I don't think that we should ever look back with fondness on our past lives or our past sins. They're they're shameful. Um, and, I mean, Christ had to die on the cross for those things. I, I don't think that we should bring up the past. I don't think that we should bring up past relationships or uh, past jobs or past coaches or past friends, you know, to look at those in a better, I mean, who likes that? Like, are you at your job? And you're like, you know, my last job and your boss is like, yeah, it's good. Love hearing about it. Past relationship. Yeah. Let's talk about that some more. Nobody likes that at all. I mean, all of us went to school as a kid and had the new kid that would show up. And every time they're like, well, you know, at our old school, right? Because they wanted to make the, your school seem bad. And what was your heart? You're like, dude, shut up. Go back to your old school. Like, this is us, man. We're Ballard, Beavers. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but the heart is, you know, in Numbers 11:5, the, the nation of Israel, the, the nation of Israel had been under the rule of the Pharaoh. They were his slaves. Moses comes in, delivers the nation of Israel, brings them out in the desert. God makes food fall from the sky to protect them. And then the heart of Israel comes out in Numbers eleven five. We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. And that, that's, the, that's the heart of a, of, a, of a disgruntled heart that is selfish. Is I've been delivered, I've been set free. But when I was in slavery eating cucumbers, it was better than God's provision. 
You can't live like that, man. I miss my old master, the Pharaoh. He treated me poorly, but I enjoyed it more than God's righteousness. Friend, God's rule is infinite. He will rule his people. Jesus will have an eternal kingdom. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, whether you're following him or not, whether you're submitted to his kingdom or not, God's rule will eventually come and destroy every kingdom and you will fall under the rule of Jesus either by your choice or being forced to bow the knee before him as Lord and Savior. Daniel 2.44, and in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Listen, I love America, and I love being American, but America is not my kingdom. Being an American is not my identity. This kingdom will fall eventually. It just will because every kingdom will fall because the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ will create a new heaven and a new earth and his kingdom will reign. And so for us now, we would be better to just submit to his kingship now, to submit to his kingdom now, to submit to his rule and reign over our lives. Have you made that decision to submit to Jesus as your ruler? Is he your king? Or do you long for your previous ruler? Do you want your own life out in the world away from his grace, his mercy, and his love? Because that's the heart condition that needs to change. The only way you can fully submit to the king is to fully submit to the king. You can't have these conversations in your head of like, well, am I still team Absalom or am I team David? What are you talking about? And I'm King, I'm King Jesus all day long. John 3, 3. And now, now I'm really going to get into it. Stick with me. John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now I want you to understand this. Jesus says, I have a kingdom. It's a, it's a coming kingdom. I want you to understand the kingdom, live in the kingdom and see the kingdom. And then he says in this verse, the only way you can see this kingdom is if you're born again. And this is the problem with many people of why they cannot understand, appreciate, or submit to Christ's kingdom. It's because they have not been born again. They, they can't receive the king. They can't submit to his rulership because they have not been born again. Now, listen, I, I want you to hear my heart on this. I, I, it's clear today. We've been doing this for 17 years. And in 17 years, there have been more people that have attended our church than attend our church on a weekly basis. We have turned over literally thousands of people over the last 17 years. And, and throughout those years, I've learned a lot about humans. And here's what I've learned is there are people that will come into a church. They know what to say. They know how to act. They, they know how to live and they will tell you that they're a Christian and they will act like they're a Christian until it's time to be a Christian. And they're, and they're just not born again. The, the, and, and the times come when, when the, the rubber meets the road or whatever colloquialism you want to use. And, and it's time to be a born again Christian, someone whose nature has changed, who's put on new life, who's repentant of their sins. And, and, and they don't do that. And they prove to the world, I am not of Christ's kingdom. I've un, I'm of my own kingdom. I, I live for myself. I don't live for Jesus. Many people have never had that born again experience. 
John 18, 36, my kingdom is not from here. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Luke 17, 21, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. None of that can be acquired and accomplished unless you have a born again experience. Because you'll never understand kingdom mindedness without that born again experience. And, 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 and it's the second Corinthians five seventeen where you become a new creation. Your desires change. Your heart changes. The way you view the world changes. You, you no longer live the way that the world lives. You don't get upset when people preach things and, and you forgive people and you love people and you live for Jesus. You don't have to be beat with a stick. And people say, well, you know, I, and people will say this about me and they'll say this about our church. They'll say, well, you know, faith and victory. You don't go down there. Pastor Matt's banging on people every single week. And I'll tell you why. And it's because our church and every church is filled with people that have not been born again. And I, and I've just been taken advantage of so many times where people come in and for years will act like, Oh, I love Jesus. And, and I believe the Bible and I'm a Christian and I was raised a Christian and I've been a Christian for my whole entire life. And they'll hold it together for a few years. And then boom, I'm divorcing my spouse. Boom. I got a porn problem. Boom. I got a weed problem. Boom. I'm a thief. Oh, boom. I stole this. And and then I haven't even gotten into how they treat other people within the church. And they say, well, but I'm born again. Well, start acting like it. Who do you think you are? Manual. You're not living up to the standard. Jeez, man. No change. It's just a big act. It's just a big act. And so I'm tired of it, man. I just am. It's funny. The saved never get tired of sermons that talk about getting people saved. It's just the unregenerate because it makes them feel guilty and convicted and they don't want to feel guilty and convicted. The righteous are just like, you know what? Let me feel whatever I need to feel to get this out of my life. I just want to honor God with my life. Many people assume the kingdom of God is established, that it's an established visible kingdom. And it is, and it's a different sermon. You can find it online. We have, we serve a Jesus of a right now kingdom and a, and a coming kingdom. We can experience the kingdom of God within us as we live in the body of Christ, but his kingdom on this earth will not come until he comes to establish his kingdom. The Bible says in Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not of the, in word, but in power. Some people aren't born again and it shows. <laughs> Get born again and understand the kingdom and you won't long anymore for, a, for another king. I don't want anything else to rule me. I don't want anything else to control me. Not an addiction, not a person, not a government, not a politician. I don't want anything to rule me except Christ Jesus. And so let that be your heart. And and when anything comes into your life that wants to rule you, push back on it and say, I'm only going to be, I'm only going to be led by Jesus and I'm only going to follow Jesus. You don't have rule or reign or me. And that's why uh, real life, that's why with all this political stuff that comes on, I do not care who the president is. I mean, I care, but like, I really don't care in the sense that like, he's not my king. I'm just kind of playing the game until Jesus comes back. I don't, I don't care that the politics don't agree. The, the American politics didn't agree with the Bible for a long time. 
It's not my rule book. It's not my life. My life is centered around the things of God. Here's the third and final thing. They couldn't welcome the king because they forgot who they were. Verse 12, you are my brethren. You are my bone and my flesh. Why then are you the last to bring back the king? And, and again, I always wonder the things the Bible doesn't say. Why, why, did, why did David have to remind them that they were Israel? <laughs> if, if you don't know the story, God chose Abraham and said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And, and what God did is he took out a people, said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to lead you so that the rest of the world can look at you and see what it looks like to be a nation of people that follow me and love me. And this was still Israel, even rebellious, left David, love Absalom, Israel was still Israel. They hadn't changed their, 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 who they were. They may have changed how they were, but they didn't change who they were. And so David had to remind them, you are God's chosen people. You were made in the image of God. You're, you're his treasure. And if you are, why would you fight amongst yourselves? Why would you long for a false king? Because if you're of Israel, you should act like you're of Israel. Deuteronomy 14.2, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. And the Lord has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Did they forget this? Did they take on the DNA of Absalom? Well, apparently maybe they forgot it in their minds that they, but, but they should be reminded they are the flesh and blood of Israel. They are exceptional. And what does it mean to you? Have you forgot who you are? Have you forgot who you belong to, that you are the flesh and blood? Now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, prophetically, I want to speak this over your life because your, your identity and what you believe will formulate how you live. And you have to have your identity in Christ. You have your, have your identity in that I'm the flesh and blood of Jesus. You need to be involved with the local church because the, the church is the living, breathing example to an unbelieving world that God is real. That's why I had so many arguments about a religious expression during this time where they said, well, you can still do your religion. You just can't gather. And I'm like, gathering is the expression of our religion. Because when we gather, the church of God can only do her work. She can only do her ministry unless we are gathered. And sure, there's Zoom and all these other things. Uh, but, but, but I'm just saying that like there has to be a visible entity to an unbelieving world that can look and see God is real. God is real. Look at how his body lives. Look at how his body operates. And that's what God intended for Israel. That's what God intended for his church. That it could be a living display to an unbelieving world that God is real. But people forget it. And they start to drift away. 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you might proclaim the praises of yourself who called you out... Oh, proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're supposed to declare his praises. Amen. Make our lives about him. You are a child of the most high king. You are his treasure and you are a part of his body. And again, I just want to reiterate what Pastor Jay said. I know that during these times, some people are unable to be here. And if you're watching online during this time, you still are a part of Christ's body. I know if you get on Zoom calls or you're talking to people on the phone, we're going to get back together. It's going to be fine. It's just a season. So don't beat yourself up about it. But when you start drifting away, following false gods, following false kings, King Jesus is there reminding you, saying, come back to me. 
You are my flesh and blood. Even when you went and you followed false gods, I still loved you. I still longed for you. I still wanted you in my presence. I want you to come back to me because you are my body. Repent, turn away from your sins and come back to me is the heart of Jesus. Because here's the best part of it. King Jesus will receive you in the same way that David received the people of Israel that have rejected him. Verse 15, then the king returned and came to the Jordan and Judah came to Gilgal to go and meet the king, to escort the king across the Jordan. See, David, David didn't want to come in and like browbeat the guys and be like, oh, Absalom, huh? Things are going to be different now that I'm back. No, all he wanted was to just bring the people back together. He wanted to have his rightful rule over his people wanted the nation to be back together. He just wanted them to be who they were supposed to be. And so he received them. Amen. Amen. John 1 12, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. And I want to tell you also this, this morning, I know today is father's day. And I want to just remind you that Jesus uh, can, can heal the parts of your heart that long for a father to love you. Some of you may by your earthly father. You may have not had the love of your earthly father, but God can be a, the, the best father that you've ever need. He will love you, cherish you, and welcome you back. He, de- he doesn't act like an earthly father that, that will reject you and shame you. He is a loving father that will always receive you back. And so this Father's Day, I want to encourage you to join the family of God and go back to Father God. It says Galatians 3.26, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. First John 3, 1, what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Romans 8, 17, and if children, then heirs. Man, some of y'all got to get that word down into your spirit. Heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Galatians 4, 7, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. That's the love of the father. That's the connectedness of the family of God. If you would just submit to the rulership of Jesus, if you would quit fighting and wanting to go back to that past kingdom and just submit, Christ will receive you and you will receive Christ and you'll experience the best that this world has to offer until you get to heaven. And whenever you get pulled in another direction, just remind yourself, speak out to it. You are not my king. I follow King Jesus. I will only submit to his rule. I will only submit to his love. Would you receive that this morning in Jesus name? Amen. Uh, This is what I want to invite you to do. If you're watching online today, if you are not a Christian, I want to encourage you to become one. It's really quite easy. Either you're a Christian or you're not. Either you've given your life to Jesus or you haven't. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never decided and said, "I I want to become part of the family of God, today is your day. All you have to do is turn away from your sin, turn towards Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me my sins and he will forgive you. And if you've never done that before, I want you to encourage you to do that right now. But maybe the other part of this message is this, is maybe you've said you're a Christian for a lot of years, but you've never had that born again experience. You've never moved over from death to life. You've never been made a new creation. And you know it. You're like, man, I've just been giving God lip service, but I want want that new creation experience. I want that born again. I want to be born of the water and born of the spirit, as it says in John chapter 3. And if you need to make that declaration today, just reach your hands out to the heaven and say, Lord, I give my life to you. Birth me once again. Give me that born again experience.
Father, we praise you today, Lord. We thank you for your word. God, all of us, we submit to your lordship today. We submit to your will in our lives. God, we pray that we would serve you and serve you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I want to thank you guys so much for watching today. If you indulge me for a minute, if you're a member of Faith of Victory, or if you're not, you've been watching, we want to encourage you to come back. Um, I, I want to remind you that over next month, you're going to start seeing a lot more stuff start kicking up. The numbers are increasing. So in July, we'll, we'll start having Wednesday night services, uh, but no kids ministry because it has to be a smaller group. But also the other things are going to be starting men's uh, and women's Bible study, uh, Live Ready Youth on Monday nights, a youth group on Wednesday nights, Victory Moms, like all that stuff's going to start churning back in July. And so I want you to get ready of it. And with that, I really want to make it clear that at Faith and Victory Church, we are not going to become a shame culture based on people wearing or not wearing masks, attending or not attending services. Uh, people have to do what they need to do for their personal safety. And so if, if someone's wearing a mask, they owe you zero explanation to why they're wearing a mask. They don't have to tell you their medical condition. They don't have to tell you anything. If, if someone wants to wear a mask, you can wear a mask. Uh, but at the same time, I, I don't want to become a culture where we shame people for not wearing a mask because I believe that your personal safety is your responsibility. And so I just want you to get that in your mind because as we come back into the building and we're getting to these other uh, 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 ministries that are happening, people are just going to do whatever they do to feel uh, uh, comfortable. And we don't want to create a, a culture of shame because we want people to feel welcome. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Well, I hope you guys have a great week. I love you and I will see you next Sunday. Happy Father's Day. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.